BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. KQED in San Francisco, I'm Marisa Lagos in for Alexis Madrigal. It's Pride Month and that means parades and other celebrations, but this year it also means backlash against companies and organizations embracing the LGBTQ plus community. From Target to Bud Light and the Los Angeles Dodgers, we'll get into how these companies are responding to homophobic protests and talk about how gay rights advocates say they should react. We'll get into all of it that's coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos, and for Alexis Madrigal. Target has been selling Pride Month merchandise for close to a decade, but this year moved those displays in some stores after customers complained and threatened workers. Bud Light recently apologized to its customer base for partnering with a transgender influencer on social media. And in Los Angeles, the Dodgers baseball team announced plans to give a community service award to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, then rescinded the award because of backlash from conservative Catholic groups. They eventually re invited the queer nuns back to accept the award following backlash to the backlash. Pride Month has been a source of celebration for years for the LGBTQ plus community, but this year it's come with a side of vitriol from right-wing conservatives. Companies are struggling with how to respond, and in this hour of forum, we're going to dive into what's behind all the backlash and effective ways to respond to it from both a corporate and personal perspective. Joining me this hour is Tom Temprano, Managing Director of External Affairs for Equality California. They're an LGBTQ rights advocacy organization. Thanks for being here, Tom. Thanks for having me, Marisa. Also with us, Sister Unity, board member of the Los Angeles Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence Incorporated. Thanks for being here, Sister Unity. You're very welcome. I can't believe I'm awake. (laughs) And Leticia Miranda, U.S. retail and consumer columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Leticia, thanks for being here as well. Thank you. Well, Sister Unity, since we dragged you out of bed on the first day of Pride Month, um, I would love to start with a little bit about your organization and what happened with the Dodgers. I, I, we might leave the, 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 the makeup, the apology to later, but what? how did this all begin? It really started about two weeks ago, and it took most of our organization by surprise. Um Two of us had been uh, liaising with the Dodgers organization, uh, Sister Dominia, who's our abbess, which means we're a 501c3 nonprofit, so we're required to have a board of directors and officers. She's our chair nun, if you will, but we call it our abbess. 
Uh, and uh, Sister Beyonce knows who is an Angelino and is Latine and a lifelong Dodgers fan and had a connection to the Dodgers administration. They reached out and contacted those two and arranged for the uh, award and arranged for a photograph to be used in publicity. And then when the Dodgers started uh, putting out the publicity, the rest of us find out surreptitiously. And, and so it was a great surprise. It's a surprise not only because uh, of the award itself, um, but because we are drag artists. And drag, uh, like many other parts of the gay community that are more colorful and flamboyant, we're used to being, quote unquote, too strange or too queer, if you will, for uh, not only the broader community, but for our own community to put into a spotlight. Mm -hmm. um, in a sense, there have been times when in my 27 years as a sister, uh, especially during the Prop 8 protests, um, I have felt like some members of the community wanted us in the closet as though uh, it was too risky for election time for us to be known that some of us wear dresses right. or in my case, saris. Um, so uh, it took us by surprise to be put in the spotlight in the first place by an internationally recognized organization like the Dodgers. Uh, and then about a week later, uh, we saw the tweet by Senator Marco Rubio and we saw the full court press by the right wing media, uh, Fox, uh, the New York Post, etc., uh, the Washington Examiner, and and we knew something could happen. Um, you always hope for the best, but being especially being LGBT, but especially being drag people, you 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 know that uh, you're easily thrown under a bus or pushed aside. So we we thought maybe something would happen, and sure enough, less than 24 hours later, the CEO Stan Caston of the Dodgers organization called Sister Beyonce personally, which you know kudos for taking responsibility, mm. uh, to uh, let her know that the award was being rescinded. And they put out a statement. Uh, and I'm very proud of our team. We uh, train ourselves in the Los Angeles House of Sisters to rely on each other and to be a team and to work collaboratively. And we swung into action as a team. Seven of us got on a Zoom call and we hammered out our own statement, uh, which was the voice of seven sisters sort of uh, sewn together as one. And that statement really helped us a lot because um, the, the direction we chose to take uh, seems to be what people have described as the high road. Yeah. I mean, we're nuns. What would you expect? <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, it it, uh, it uh, revealed a kind of uh, maturity on our part, which I'm grateful we were able to achieve. Uh, and that opened the door to what was even more surprising than getting the award, which was that the entirety of our uh, community and our allies swung around and went really hard for yeah. us in supporting us. We were shocked to uh, read the statement by the LGBT Center, one of the largest LGBT centers in the country. Uh, the LA LG LGBT Center uh, really came out swinging for us, pulled their support from the Dodgers, and even criticized the critique that we've gotten since day one of our existence of being uh, a hateful anti-Catholic group, which is uh, not not true of us at all. Right. Um, and uh, so, so the, the degree to which they went to bat for us uh, surprised us enormously. Well, Tom Tom Prado, I wonder, I think some of the backlash to drag is this false conflation with the transgender community, which is also under attack and I think has really been the target of a lot of right wing kind of action this year, both legislative policy and just like these sorts of protests. Um before we bring Leticia in and talk about Target, can you just tell us a little bit about this Bud Light situation where they really, I think, with the opposite way of the Dodgers and caved to this pressure after essentially sending a marketing, you know, campaign, including this uh, transgender activist, uh, Dylan Mulhaney, and a 
you know, a, it was a marketing campaign, basically, right? Yeah. Well, to your point, you know, right now there have been over 500 pieces of anti-LGBTQ plus legislation introduced across the country in this year alone. And many, many pieces of that legislation target the transgender community and trans youth in particular. We are seeing attacks on uh access to gender-affirming care for trans youth, and in some cases, even trans adults. Uh, We are seeing efforts to stop trans kids from playing school sports, and we're seeing the outright banning of curriculum uh, in schools across the country that so much as mention the existence of LGBTQ plus people. And so now more than, and frankly, at almost any time uh, in, in decades, we need corporations to stand up, to be strong, to be affirmative, and to be vocal in support of their LGBTQ plus customers, employees, and the broader community at large. And, you know, to your point, I think now it's especially important for companies like Bud Light to be centering trans folks like Dylan to be centering the trans community um, because we need that visibility. You know, many folks haven't met a trans person and we know when people do meet trans people or LGBTQ plus people at large and get to know us, they accept us for for who we are. But that's not what Bud Light did. I mean, they kind of, they've tried to have their cake and eat it too a little bit, right? They kind of pulled back, but, and then they put a couple of executives on leave. I mean, yeah. Is that to you a reflection of what not to do um, when it comes to corporate kind of involvement in these issues? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think especially this time of year, by the way, happy Pride Month. Right? I know it's, you know, <laughs> we're, we're pretty good uh, at, at celebrating uh, through oppression and the queer community. But it's it is important that companies not just center us this month, but all the time, but also that they don't back down and in fact redouble their commitment to our community when that pushback happens. This is a an extremist small, small minority of people that are, you know, raising these issues, that are starting Twitter storms, and companies shouldn't be cowed by that. They need to have our communities back. Yeah. Leticia, um, you recently wrote a column about the backlash against Tide for a target for its pride merchandise. What set that off? And did they respond differently in your mind than say Bud Light? Uh, so the target um, backlash was kind of, I guess, activated um, specifically by two products, it seems. Um, one of the products that uh, Target was selling was um, a bathing suit that was tough friendly. So, um, you know, trans women um, or, you know, trans people who want to wear a bathing suit but want to, you know, hide their genitalia are able to do that. Um, and the other thing that kind of set people off was that one of the artists that uh, Target had worked with sells separately on their own website, I guess, jokes, <laughs> kind of, you know, queer related, like, um, products that have Satan or uh, images of Satan that kind of as a joke. So I think one of them was like, um, like a pin that has... Uh, an image of Satan that says like Satan respects pronouns or something. Um, And so, uh, yeah, the right wing target shoppers got really upset uh, specifically around that. And of course that is kind of like playing into or inspired by these like conspiracy theories that trans people and queer people are, um, you know, Satanist (laughs) and that, 
Um, they are trying to groom children to into the like queer LGBT lifestyle um, and to take advantage of them or to abuse them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was those two products specifically. But of course, they think- and I think there was some misinformation that the tech product was like aimed at children. Right. So, I, you know, some of this yeah. Yeah. a lot. It seems like a lot of this does have to do with, you know, the sort of Internet culture we live in now and this yeah. ability to organize like would the you know would marco rubio have been weighing in on the dodgers if we didn't have twitter you know it's like um, yeah. yeah i think it's partially social media i think it's also you know that uh it's effective this messaging from the right around you know trans people is dangerous lgbt people is dangerous and this kind of dangerous minority that's asking for too much by, you know, demanding equal rights. So I think that it's like probably the acceleration of that message is due to social media and how quickly it is. It, it makes it to, you know, say what you want for your message to get out there. But I think a lot of this is kind of more a political social backlash to, you know, queer people who just by being visible or an affront to to people who don't believe that they deserve humanity. Right. And I want to talk about this after the break, like how these companies are responding and maybe how they should be or shouldn't be. We are talking about the start of Pride Month amid conservative backlash to companies that market to the LGBTQ plus community. And we want to hear from you. What's the best way for companies to respond to the anti-LGBTQ backlash? How do you think brands should or shouldn't align with your values? Do you vote with your dollar? And when has a brand made you seen or turned you off with its messaging? You can call us at 866 That's 866-733-6786. You can also email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum. We'll be right back. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos in for Alexis Madrigal here today talking about the start of Pride Month amid conservative backlash to a number of companies that market to the LGBTQ plus community. I'm here with Tom Temprano, Managing Director of External Affairs from Equality California, Sister Unity, a board member at the Los Angeles Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, and Leticia Miranda, a U.S. retail and consumer columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Um, so... I wonder, like, I want to talk a little bit about what this means for these corporations, right? So, Tom, I mean, we we touched on this Bud Light situation. And after, you know, this collaboration with the transgender influencer Dylan uh, Mulvaney, there was a call for boycott. We saw some, like, right-wing celebrities kind of doing performative stuff online. And they have seen a drop in sales, especially in um, some of, you know, the South markets that are more conservative. How do you kind of read that? And like, what would your message be to a company like that, that obviously, I mean, these are corporations, their bottom line is making money. Target probably didn't get into pride of merchandise just out of the goodness of their heart, right? <laughs> you know, well, what I would say is there, there may be these momentary dips in sales when uh, when these big sort of right-wing extremist boycotts reach a, a boiling point. But in reality, it is good for business for these corporations to support the LGBTQ plus community. You know, recent research by GLAAD actually shows that if a brand publicly supports and demonstrates a commitment to extant, expanding and protecting rights for LGBTQ plus people, Americans are two times more likely to buy or use that brand. And Americans ages eight to 18 to 34 are in fact five and a half times more likely to want to work at a company if that company publicly supports and demonstrates that same commitment. I would also point out that like Gen Z is not just the future. They are the consumers and the workforce of today. And more than one in five uh, Gen Z Americans identifies as a member of the LGBTQ plus community. So there's a reason that these companies are centering and marketing to LGBTQ plus people. It is the right thing to do. It is good for business. And these companies, if they care about their bottom line, again, need to reaffirm that commitment to the community and stand with us even when the going gets tough for a little bit. Yeah. Well, Sister Unity, let's talk about that. What does that look like? Because you all sat down with the Dodgers and had what I'm assuming are some pretty intense conversations to turn this whole thing around. What did you guys say? And then what did they say back that made you decide, yes, we want to move forward with this partnership? This is exactly the question. And what happened between us and the Dodgers, and not just us, but um, uh, Lindsay Horvath, a, uh, a supervisor of L.A. County, a California state senator, a California assembly person, the mayor of West Hollywood, uh, Sebi Shrine, Shine, uh, and, and a few other big hitters, uh, um, Joe Hollandoner from the LGBT Center, all were in the room. And it's remarkable to note that we were not just the only ones speaking for ourselves, but that all of this community that were LGBT and LGBT allied spoke up for us. So it's uh, um, it's not just us. It's this whole community of people into whom LGBT is now sown that their marketing will play to. Um, uh, as the previous speaker just said, uh, uh, companies um, who look like the melting pot of America in their inclusion of our community uh, ring the note of our American mythology that we are a mosaic of different peoples. And when you see joyful acceptance and inclusion and diversity, it actually rings that mythological bell in people's psyches. 
if you ask me. So, so what did the Dodgers do that makes them a model that we can now point to? What they did was, first they apologized, which was great and, and what we sort of expected because we had uh, had phone calls with them. But the thing that made us uh, feel that they were sincere and that they were uh, actual allies as opposed to what our community calls performative allyship, which is really just a, a sticker in the window to get money. Um, what they did was that they made a lasting relationship with us. They asked not only the sisters, this bizarre gaggle of drag nuns, but the entire LGBT community to partner with them and continue an ongoing relationship of consultation. They said, we need to learn in uh, on the interior and we need to, if something like this arises again, we need people that we can talk to to help us craft a response. It all started because their CEO and one of their um, senior vice presidents came in in the morning, saw Rubio's tweet and panicked. And they didn't consult their community li liaisons. They didn't consult their marketing department, many of whom, and this is a really important card in, in the game that I think corporations need to understand. Many members of their upper administration are LGBT. Right. Uh, uh, their um, executive vice president for communications and broadcasting is a gay man living in West Hollywood with a husband. So it's it's not that it happens in this uh, relationship that's a, sort of a sterile separation between corporation and a community. Uh, uh, it's it's that our people are in their in their organization as well. I'm sure that there are executives in Target who are members of the LGBT community, and I'm sure there must have been and maybe now ongoing struggles within the organization. So what they can do is move their allyship beyond performative by building a relationship of communication and consultation, which is what the Dodgers have now done. Uh, blow me over with a feather that uh, I, a um, my bullies used to be athletes in the gym in high school and blow me over with a feather that I'm now allied with a sports organization that's willing to go that mile. But that's the mile that shows that it is beyond grabbing the LGBT dollar, Right, is, is that they have built um, a relationship. Uh, we are talking about the beginning of Pride Month, which starts today, and conservative backlash we're seeing to companies that market to the queer community. And we do want to hear from you. What do you think the best way is for companies to respond to anti-LGBTQ plus backlash? How do you think brands should or shouldn't align with your own values? Or when some brands messaging made you feel supported or repelled you? Do you vote with your dollar? You can give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can email us questions, comments to forum at kqed.org or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at KQED Forum. And uh, Leticia Miranda of Bloomberg Opinion, you wrote uh, a column about Target, um, noting that they do have a whole corporate infrastructure to withstand this type of political furor. Um, and... You say that that is if it accepts that there's no middle ground to play anymore. Um, and I just wonder what that looks like, because at the end of the day, as we've noted, these are companies that want to make money. I know Bud Light came out with a statement. We never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. We want to bring people together. But like, it feels like everything is political now, right? So, I mean, does a company like Target, do they just have to pick a side, essentially? Yeah, I... I think so. Um, I mean, I, I agree. I think the um, wavering is just off-putting for everyone. Like, I think, I mean, who knows how much of this is attributed to the backlash to their price collection, but their stock price, um, target stock price has fallen quite a bit since this news kind of came out last week. Um, and I think part of that is that they've alienated people who 
support queer LGBT communities and those who do not. Um, and so I, I think they're kind of, they kind of went down the same route as Bud Light. Um, I think that there's an opportunity though that co other companies watching this can take away and that's just to be more prepared for um, coming out with something that like a pride collection that might seemingly seem, you know, just like a very routine marketing event that you do every year and it's kind of campy and cheesy and not really meant to be any kind of political statement, but, you know, reading the room and knowing that there could be backlash. And I think that Target clearly and, you know, um, and Hauser Bush um, with the Bud Light partnership weren't prepared for that and didn't anticipate that there would be any kind of backlash. Um, but yes, um, Target has not only the infrastructure to plan that, but also the infrastructure to deal with people who are coming in and knocking down signs. Um, and one of the big questions I've had so far watching this is um, why Target hasn't, you know, why Target didn't call the police when people were coming and knocking displays over and threatening workers, um, because they certainly have a pretty vast um, surveillance network that they use for retail crime. But in this case, they weren't, uh, I feel like they kind of wavered and kind of putting their foot down and saying, this is not something we allow in our stores. Yeah. I mean, we got a comment from a listener named Deb who says, one thing I cannot stand is the utter hypocrisy and stunted humanity of these so-called conservatives. I say so-called because they are actually dangerous radicals. They want to eliminate or control anyone not exactly like themselves. And what a pitiful, dark, cruel example they're setting. Any company or politician who panders to them and bows to right-wing economic terrorism will not get my business. I mean, Tom Temprano, though, for years we've also heard the other side of this, which is like, you know, complaints about the corporatization of pride, this idea that corporations are co-opting what is supposed to be this very organic grassroots celebration. Um, and, you know, it comes with, you know, the sponsorship of the parades, all that. Have we moved past that? Like, do you think the queer community is at a point where where it's like, no, we are part of the mainstream. And so we want like this corporate sponsorship or is there always going to be that tension? Well, I, I do want to I, I want to talk about that, but I do want to go back to one thing you said, yeah. which was corporations picking a side. Mm. And frankly, there aren't sides. There is only one side. And 81 percent of Americans, and this is across the political spectrum, agree that LGBTQ plus people should not be discriminated against for who they love and who they are, period. This is, you know, this tiny, tiny minority of far right extremists do not make a side and should not be catered to by corporations or governments or, or anyone, frankly. So I, I want to make sure that we don't get caught in a side versus side argument when, in fact, there is not one. And there is almost unanimity among Americans about LGBTQ plus rights. But these companies clearly feel like there's two sides, right? Because they're trying to straddle a middle ground that's really just making everyone angry, it seems like. It is. And, you know, I would I would encourage them to stop straddling and, you know, come on over and do what their customers, their employees and the American public want them to do, which is support LGBTQ plus people, period. Yeah. Um, so actually, let's bring in a caller. We have a caller named Douglas in San Francisco. Douglas, go ahead. You're on the air. Hi, thank you very much. I appreciate forum and the conversation. Um, 
I'm a straight man living in San Francisco, and we have a wonderfully diverse community, and uh, that that crosses all spectrums, and uh, that's what's so wonderful about living here. I am a senior citizen, and for years I do walk with my cash. I haven't uh, bought gas from Exxon since the Valdez. I do think that people think that way. I would like to mention that if corporations are really representative of America, just like we celebrate uh, things like St. Valentine's Day or Mother's Day or Halloween or whatever is seasonal that provides an organization an opportunity to make profit for their shareholders first, not necessarily for public or, or civic good, that's their primary reason for existing, unfortunately, in our system, I think that we should absolutely encourage uh, uh, Pride Month, uh, not just for profit reasons, but it's a celebration, uh, like so many other aspects, including Eid, Ramadan, uh, all, all of the Jewish ones. Now, I don't happen to be a person of faith, but I think that we should be as inclusive as possible because it represents us. And if corporations are interested in making money, which is their primary source of, of incentive, then, then it makes real sense to, as the, the, your other spokesperson said, come on over to the other side. To me, that sounds, believe it or not, a little divisive um, because I don't think there should be sides. Thank you That's so much. Thought. Yeah. Thanks, Douglas. I appreciate that. I want to bring in another caller, Dina from Oakland. Dina, go ahead. Hi there. Um, I just think that um, all people deserve equal rights, and so do children, and they deserve the protection of adults. And I think the LGBTQ community hasn't really made that like a huge effort, more so gender-affirming therapy being a symbolic allyship. But children are in a fantasy state when they're growing up, and they don't realize if they do a gender-affirming surgery that they won't actually become a man or a woman and be able to procreate. And that will be, create bitterness in the future. So I think that's really the issue. It's like they don't have they won't have that chance to have children. Okay, thanks. This gender affirming surgery that's being proposed. Also, there's there's not really protections. Like if you search like um, gay or lesbian or like on on Google, you'll find Grinder. So kids find that they upload it. And they end up being susceptible to adult predators. Okay. And that's not really talked about in the LGBTQ community. We need more protections for children. All right. Thank you, Dina. Um, (laughs) Dina brings up some points, Tom. I wonder, um, you know, I, I think one of the things that she maybe is taking to another step, but is at the heart of some of the conservative response is this idea that if you're exposed to something that you would choose what a different life path, which always strikes me as a little bit naive. Like it's not an easy thing to be a transgender person in our society. It's never been an easy thing to be part of the queer community. Just talk about that as somebody, you know, who's lived this. Sure. Well, uh, if I were to become what I was exposed to, I would be a professional basketball player right now, but that is not the case, sadly for me. Um, No, I mean, Quite clearly, that is that is not the case, and I and I do want to you know get back to something that that caller said. And gender affirming care is endorsed by every 
major reputable medical group, including the American Medical Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and the American Psychological Association. It just frankly is not true to say that providing gender-affirming care is in any way harmful to uh, to LGBTQ plus people or youth. And in fact, study after study shows that trans youth who have access to gender affirming care have drastically lower rates of self-harm and suicidal ideation. They perform better in school and they have stronger relationships with their peers. So I think we just need to nip that in the bud because every single study, every single reputable medical group disagrees with that. And and again, I, I mean, if you look at the the higher levels of suicidality, of bullying, the trans youth experience, it is not easy. Yeah. This is not a, a, a choice that young people are making. This is an acknowledgement of who they are, and it's a tough road. And we really, you know, need to have these young people's backs as they go through this process. Yeah, Sister Unity, I would love to bring you in on that, too, because so much of the work the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence do is around supporting communities that have been marginalized. Like, just what's your response to this? You, you kind of talked a little bit about being so visible and how that can be challenging. Yes, uh, we cross the gender line as uh, people in our community have done since the dawn of human history. And it's really been only in about the last thousand years that uh, our, our, our naturally occurring phenomena like homosexuality, bisexuality, transgenderism, uh, these are all found in nature. And there's scientific study after scientific study showing that it's anything from brain structure to hormones in the womb, etc. Uh, the point is to not to... Uh, quote Lady Gaga too much, but uh, we are born this way. And it's just so very frustrating to hear uh, good people, well-intentioned people, very sincere people who are receiving bad information from, in my opinion, political operatives. Uh, I was reading articles in the LA Times about how after the 2022 election, there were uh, extremist right-wing think tanks who were looking for a hot-button issue to revitalize their donor base and their volunteer base. Uh, and they did surveys and they did polling and they they found out that transgenderism and drag would be hot button issues. And it's been a six to nine month full court press on those issues ever since. Every time one of our community um, uh, has their head in national news, just it pops up like we did with the Dodgers story. In comes a, a mouthpiece uh, like the good senator from Florida uh, and then the full court media press and they jump up and down on it. And the, the sad thing about it is that people aren't getting the accurate information about the uh, conditions that we live in, that this uh, we. We can't help who we are. We don't choose right. who we are. If we did, like the uh, like my fellow non-basketball player said, I'd be an Egyptologist, not a drag. <laughs> All right. We're talking about the start of Pride Month with a fabulous panel, Tom Temprano, Sister Unity, and Leticia Miranda. We want to hear from you. When has a brand's messaging made you feel supported or repelled you? Why was it effective or not effective? Call us now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also email us, forum at kqed.org. Find us on social media at KQED Forum. We'll be right back. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence. 
June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos, and for Alexis, Alexis Madrigal today, excuse me, we are talking about Pride Month and the backlash to corporations that have been celebrating the LGBTQ plus community and the backlash to that backlash. I have a couple listener comments I want to read. Uh, one person writes, the reason so many of these hateful people gain so much ground is because people in power acquiesce to their demands. I never understood why a company would let some ridiculous bullies change their entire marketing strategy. We have to stop them in their tracks because every inch gained is an inch lost for people just trying to be recognized as fully human. And Susan writes, simply, I am not part of the LGBTQ community, but I will not shop at Target or any company that discriminates against any minority. Um, Leticia Miranda, you are a columnist for Bloomberg Opinion, and and I know you've been writing about this and looking at it um, from a business perspective as well. What what do you think these companies are are thinking about in their corporate boardrooms when they're having these conversations about whether to move the you know target display to the back of the store, um, how to respond to pushback? Like, what are the calculations they're making, both financially and more like socially? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would also like to know. Um, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall um, in these conversations. Um, I mean, yeah, of course, companies have lots of stakeholders they need to please, Um, you know, like Target, as an example, is a public company, they have shareholders they have to answer to, Um, they have, you know, activist investors, which are just more active investors who have lots of opinions on things. Um, And then, of course, they have customers who are at the heart of what their business is. Um, and for Target especially, because it sells a lot of nice-to-have things rather than need-to-have or essentials, which is because of inflation and other kind of macroeconomic issues, um, has been taking up more of people's budgets. Target's kind of in a tough spot when it comes to coming out with um, a Pride collection that gets this unexpected backlash. Um, but I think that those are all the things that they're kind of balancing um, and then, of course, you know, one of the things they brought up in their statement was um, just violence towards workers and wanting to make sure that um, workers are safe. So, um, so yeah, it's a lot of different, you know, people to please. Um, and I, I'm sure that, you know, it's not an easy conversation to kind of figure out what to do. Right. I mean, I noticed reading about the Bud Light controversy that, like, their executives are already dealing with a brand that's in decline. So they're probably in some ways particularly sensitive uh, to those boycotts. But on the other hand, I mean, Tom, you brought up the str- the buying power of the LGBT community. We're getting a lot of listener comments from allies who are saying that they want to back that up. So when it when it comes to dollars and cents, I mean, <laughs> there's there's money on the side of being on the right side of history, I guess you would say. 
Absolutely. I, I like to spend my gay dollars at LGBTQ plus affirming companies and not that I have a ton of them, but it certainly does play into to my decisions. And yeah, as I said, you know, the, the statistics and studies clearly show that it is good for business to support the LGBTQ plus community, which is, you know, I, I, I think many of these companies are doing the right thing because they want to do the right thing. But they also are companies, and this this is good business. Supporting our community is good business. And I think, you know, again, these companies need to stop cowing to these extremists, and they need to stand by our community uh, at this particularly tough time. I mean, Sister Unity, we talked about what the Dodgers did right. And I, I know there's like this uh, mirror image of the boycott, the boycott, trying to push folks towards companies that are, um, you know, acting in a way that people feel like is responsible. Is that something, I mean, are, are you all saying like now go to Dodgers games, like support this team because we feel like they handle this well? Uh, America loves baseball. And the thing about that, that's so great about baseball and all sports is that um, things that are uh, entertainment oriented like that um, welcome everyone. Uh, uh, Clayton Kershaw is a very devout Christian. Um, he very, in my mind, he very movingly expressed his faith in his reaction. Uh, he said, you know, he he disagrees with us. He, he does think that we mock nuns. And I'd love the chance to sit down with him and explain what we do and how we serve our community and how we feed the homeless. Um, but uh, he said that he will he won't boycott the game. He'll continue to play because his faith teaches him to love. Uh, and because of that, the Dodgers are reinstating uh, for the first time since COVID began their Christian Family and Faith Night. So there's an LGBT night, there's a Christian Family and Faith Night, and I'm sure the Dodgers have other nights. And isn't that's the great thing is that um, uh, both companies and the marketplace, as well as the sort of entertainment marketplace that the Dodgers represent, it becomes a town square. It becomes a, like an American piazza where we can all go and mingle and see each other. We don't have to sit down and have coffee with each other if we don't like each other. Uh, but that's the great thing about America is that we live and let live. We've learned to disagree and to settle our disagreements by voting um, when it's free and fair. Um, so I, I encourage people to engage with whatever they want to engage with. If, 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 uh, even if you think that Target is uh, Satan incarnate, so don't shop at Target. Um, but I think that uh, I encourage people to engage with Target, to engage with Hobby Lobby. Uh, if Chick Fil A is your thing, um, you know, go and have the go and have the uh, the waffle fries. I'm not going to because I know where their money goes. Uh, that's me. They, they've taken steps in the right direction. So we, at the same time, we're balancing two two things, which is uh, the boycott and the boycott. Like you said, personally, I like the apricot, but uh, some people think it's the pits. Um, <laughs> But you, you have to balance, like, what what do you want your dollars to do once you release them from your hand into the economy? Um, how do they speak for you? Who do they support? And at the same time, you want to add to the American discourse, to the conversation, by keeping it going and uh, by keeping companies going. So for me, it comes to a case-by-case -case basis, and I ask everyone to make their own decision based on where they sit and what their opinions are. Uh, I will try to, being a nun, I will try to, con an LGBT nun, not a Catholic nun, let's make that clear, I will continue trying to convince people of ways that uh, our community matters and brings value to the American community and what you can do to keep us from being humiliated, beaten up verbally and physically. 
Right. Well, that gets to a listener question, which is how can companies handle threats to their employees and support LGBTQ issues? You gain strength, courage and confidence by every experience in which you look fear in the face. You must do what you think you cannot. Uh, Leticia, though, I mean, one thing Target said was that they were worried about the safety of their customer or of their employees. Excuse me. Um, I mean, and that is something that a company needs to be mindful of is the safety of the people that work for them and, and, of course, shop in their stores. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, I mean, Target's huge and it has, um, it has security guards. It has means and mechanisms to protect workers. Um, I think that again, it kind of goes back to the point I made earlier about, you know, companies like Target. If you're going to do a pride collection or something that you think might you know, kick a hornet's nest, (laughs) Um, even if you don't agree with the point of view, that you need some kind of plan in place to protect workers and to make sure that they're safe. Um, So they do that for other issues that they have, like retail theft. So it seems like, you know, a company would have the means and resources to pull it together to make sure that workers are safe. Right. Especially because a lot of these seem like one-offs, like one person, right, going in and videotaping themselves, not like a hundred people marching in in a protest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I also think companies should probably prep for that, you know, or at least keep that in mind. I mean, the, like the news of, you know, shoppers going to Target and knocking down displays and, you know, becoming, being really entitled to show that type of, um, I'd say it's violence um, against the store. It just reminded me a lot of January 6th. And I think that it's not, I think it's important to keep in perspective that this is a small group, but it's a small group that's capable of doing a lot of damage. So I think that, yeah, it's just really important. Companies are prepared. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Tom, I wonder, like we have a listener who says, do your guests ever see a day when the corporate world will get the message that the rights of LGBT are everyone's rights? I mean, I think they do. Uh, And I, I think to Sister Unity's point, Many of these corporations, if they are if they are well-run corporations, have LGBTQ plus people in leadership positions. I think again, eighty percent of Americans believe that LGBTQ plus people should not be discriminated against. Marriage equality uh, has its highest favorability at any point since it's entered the discussion. There, there aren't sides. There is one side, and that is the side of humanity and equality for LGBTQ plus people. And I think these corporations need to stand strong, be affirmative, be vocal in their support, and ride out this wave and, and not let this small group of right-wing extremists influence their decisions and influence their decisions against the against the best interests of their company and against the wishes of the vast, vast majority of the American public. Absolutely. Um, all right. I want to bring in another caller, Jeff from Novato. Jeff, go ahead. I'm sorry if my phone isn't connecting while I'm in the car, but uh, I want to call. So I'm a youth pastor, what we call an open and affirming church. Our church is open affirming at all levels of leadership for anyone, regardless of gender or sexuality or any of that, or orientation. So, like, we're all on the boat, but as a Christian, what 
frustrates me and worries me sometimes is it's been noted 81% of Americans are all for this. Like, we want to include more people. And so you're never going to make those 19% happy. But I think we lose some of the 81% when we just sort of thumb it in the eye of sincere Christians. Like, we put shirts up that say Satan is pro-pronouns. You know, one of the guys, one of our, our sisters here, like, I love the humor of it. I have Catholic family members, but I recognize that we don't do this. We don't sort of make these sorts of jokes and snide remarks about Muslims or Hindus or other religious minority groups. And and so it just worries me that in our reach for humor, sometimes we our humor isn't is misplaced and we push people away that would be an ally to this. So, yeah, thank it. you. No, Jeff, I really I appreciate you calling. Uh, Sister Unity, I mean, I'm sure you've had these conversations before, and it's true. I mean, I think there's a little bit more uh, acceptance because we live in a majority, uh, you know, society where Christianity has often had a majority and a lot of power that maybe people feel more comfortable poking fun at it. Yes, we have heard these criticisms um, both flamboyantly off base and very sincerely expressed for 27 years in Los Angeles and 44 years in San Francisco where our movement started. Um, and the, the whole crux of the thing for me, and I, I understand how people's reaction, they're like, oh my God, Satan? I take that very seriously in my faith. How, do, uh, how are they doing this and making light of this? What needs to be understood and what there is going to take a lot of time and patience to understand is uh, the experience of the LGBTQTIA2S community, a big community, but has uh, one very horrible thing in common. And that is that we have been beaten up physically and verbally for decades, if not centuries, around our sexuality, our gender, our identity, our way of life. And people have used religion and religious dogma and tenets to beat us up. So one of the ways that we heal ourselves, the way that the sisters hit upon on the day before Easter in 1979, when they put on uh, the nuns' habits and um, went around the city of San Francisco and got an enormous response from the community, discovering that it could be used for activism to liberate our community, is laughter, is taking some of the words and images that were used to oppress us, to beat us up, to damage us, and to create laughter around it. That's why you have these jokes that may seem sacrilegious if you perform them in a Catholic church, which we never do and never will do. But in our own community, like in Dolores Park, in the party that the sisters in San Francisco have in, our, in, in the midst of our own community, or in the Castro, or here in West Hollywood, we do make these jokes because the laughter about what was used to beat us over the head frees us from the pain that we all carry, the pain of rejection and the pain of humiliation. That's why these jokes exist. Okay. Are they appropriate in the marketplace or not is a debate that can be had by uh, by all of us together. Um, I can definitely understand why it upsets people, people of faith, but I ask for them to understand where we're coming from, why that joke exists. Absolutely. Thank you, Sister Unity. I want to bring in one last caller. Shar from San Francisco, go ahead. Oh, hello. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, back in 1990, early 90s, I worked at Levi Strauss and Company down at Levi Plaza. And I worked in the facilities group. I um, was in the mail room one day in the back part of the mail room down at Levi Plaza. And this was right like 1991 or 1992 when Levi's had come out 
basically in support of the gay community at the situation with the Boy Scouts of America. Mm. And uh, boy, was there blowback. I noticed in the back of the mailroom a bunch of large boxes filled with Levi jeans. They had been used jeans. And I was like, what is going on here? And it turns out a number of Christian groups took their Levi jeans, cut holes in the butt part of the jeans, and sent them to Levi's. I mean, that's telling you a lot about what people think gay people are, the sexualized gay thing. Like, we're people. We're humans. Like, what? I mean, that's kind of weird. Like, it's kind of sick. And I don't know that we've come that far 20, 30 years later. But, but did, good for Levi's. Because yeah. you know what? They never backed down. Yeah. And it didn't hurt their sales. And they pursued. And look at the Boy Scouts now. And look at Levi's now. Absolutely. Shar, thanks for the call. I mean, probably could have reused those jeans for some of the, <laughs> the events around here. Tom Tramprano, I do want to get back to one final thing, which is like, you know, we talked earlier about that in the past there was a backlash against corporations for this idea that they were co-opting something that was supposed to be, you know, a community celebration. On the other hand, what do you think about the value of, even if it's to make money, a kid walking into a Target in the Midwest and seeing or the South and seeing this merchandise? Like, is there both a economic and sort of social value to some of the things we're talking about? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I think visibility for our community is is so important. Why? Which is why it is so important that the Anheuser Bushes, the Targets, the Dodgers don't back down and don't, you know, remove us from their their shelves, remove us from their advertising, and push back on this. Because for for that kid in a in a state where they are having politicians you know, politicizing their very existence, trying to take away their rights, trying to take away the rights of their parents to to do what is right for them. It is it is really meaningful for that young person to see themselves affirmed and reflected in any space they can, including in corporate spaces. So that, you know, to my, my initial point is why it's so critical that not just during Pride Month, but all year around in the face of these unprecedented attacks on our community, that corporations be affirmative, they be they be visible in their support for LGBTQ plus people. Yeah. Sister Unity, just a couple seconds left, but I know you work with a lot of homeless LGBTQ plus youth. Um, is this a conversation you think young people are really paying attention to and, and to Tom's point can actually feel buoyed by? I am so impressed with Generation Z. I am so impressed with young people. Uh, more than ever uh, in, in other generations that I have seen, they are politically active and socially active, and they do uh, understand uh, current issues like homeless LGBT youth. There's between 5,000 and 7,000 kids who are kicked out of their families or had to run away for, from abuse on the streets of LA on any given night, and there's only like 500 beds for them. This is a sophisticated issue. They get it, and they're active. All right, we're going to leave it there. We've been talking about the start of Pride Month amid conservative backlash with Tom Temprano of Equality California, Sister Unity of the Los Angeles Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, and Leticia Miranda of Bloomberg Opinion. I'm Marisa Lagos, in for Alexis Madrigal. You've been listening to Forum. Stay tuned for another hour ahead with guest host Rachel Myro.
Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.